Lord, we thank you that you're here with us. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the gift of your word. And I pray now, Holy Spirit, as we open it up, as we listen to your teaching, Lord, that you would open our minds and our hearts to all that you have for us this morning, Jesus. I pray that you would be transforming us by your word, that anything of myself, my words would fall to the ground and that you would speak. We thank you, Jesus, and we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, good morning. A really warm welcome to everyone worshipping with us this morning. My name's Emily, and I'm one of the student pastors here at St. Aldate's. And over the past term, as we've sadly not been able, to, been able to gather in church with the students, we've been grateful to be able to continue meeting on Zoom. And this past term with the undergrads, we've been doing a course called Simply Living. Some of you in the congregation might have done this last summer. It's some amazing teaching put together by Frank Curry, a member of our church, focusing on the church's call to love and care for the poor. And this past week, Frank was reminding us about a Harvard well-being survey. And for about 80 years now, researchers at Harvard have been studying what contributes to overall happiness and well-being. And they found that embracing community helps us to live longer and be happier. And Harvard is onto something because their findings significantly, significantly overlap with the teachings of Jesus about the way we, ways in which we should live our lives. Evidence from Harvard's research around well-being and happiness show that being compassionate, sharing in one another's sufferings, and showing empathy understanding people's emotions and seeing what they're going through have incredible secondary benefits for us. Research finds that people consistently find a happiness boost after doing kind deeds for others and giving away money. But if we're honest with ourselves, no matter what sort of work we might be in or what stage of life, it's not always easy to live continually with compassion and empathy at the center of all that we do. Particularly in times of crisis like the past year that we've had, with so much going on, it can be easy to, to just gradually start to feel flat or disengaged or overwhelmed by all of the needs. But the words of our Lord remain the same, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. In every season, the church has always been called to be a blessing. We're blessed in order to bless. And we've seen over the past weeks, as we've been in our series in Philippians, reading through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, that it's centered around this glorious um, hymn or poem, if you like, about Jesus. We read that earlier, a couple of weeks ago, Christopher preached on that in earlier in chapter 2, verses 6 to 11, where we beautifully hear the story of Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. And all that comes around the letter that, that Paul is writing to the church in Philippi is pointing to the blessed one who blesses, blesses us. How living our Christian life means seeing our story in light of Jesus' story. So in our passage for today, towards the end of chapter 2, I encourage you, if you have your Bible, do get it open. We see examples of Jesus' beautiful story lived out, of Christ-shaped lives of blessed men who were a blessing to others. And this morning, I just quite simply want to consider their lives and what lessons we can take from them. So our first example is Timothy in verse 19. 
And just a reminder here of the context of what's going on uh, in Paul's lockdown letter. He's writing to encourage the church in Philippi whilst he's under house arrest in Caesarea. And his hope, as we read here, um, is to send Timothy, his close friend, to the church in his place. But for Paul, for the time being, um, Timothy has other things he needs to do for Paul. So he sends Epaphroditus in his place and we'll come to him next. Just a little side note here plans do change. So that's an encouragement. Even in the Bible, plans change. So in all that is going on, we can trust that the Lord is at work. But Timothy, as we read in verse 20, is praised greatly by Paul. He says he has no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For Everyone looks out for their own interests, not for the interests of Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying that Timothy was a rare example of what it looked like to let go of his own self-interest and seek the interests of Jesus. Timothy, like Jesus, was concerned for the well-being of others more than his own. The theme of Jesus's servant-shaped life is illustrated in Timothy. It's important to know also the genuine concern and love that Paul had for Timothy, his co-worker. Paul commends him because he was so genuinely caring for those around him and that it was rare to find this sort of love in the context that he was in. And this is a picture of how Paul is commending the Philippians to live. We read earlier in chapter 1, verse 27, remember, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Because humility, as Christopher said a few weeks ago, really is the key to unity. I know many of you in our All Dates Church family humbly serve one another well. In ways often that people don't see, we, um, I'm very glad that we sort of did a shout out to our tech team who are amazing getting here early each Sunday morning. You also don't see the amazing cameramen and women running up and down the side of the church as we're gathering here in, in the Sunday morning. But I know many of you are putting the interests of others before yourself in seeking ways to, to love one another and encourage you from this word, this passage this morning to keep on going, to keep on loving. Because Timothy's Christ-shaped life of blessing was marked by the way he put the interests of Christ first, loving others sacrificially. Next up in this passage, we have Epaphroditus, another example of someone who was blessed in order to be a blessing. Now today, we don't get many baby Epaphroditus's named after people in the Bible, but in the time Paul was writing, Epaphroditus was a very common Greek name. So we can assume that he was a Greek convert to Christianity. The Philippians had sent Epaphroditus as their representative from their church to bring a monetary gift to Paul and support him practically while he was in prison in whatever way he could. We don't know an awful lot about this guy other than what Paul writes about him, but he does describe him beautifully. In verse 25, he calls him a brother, a co-worker, a fellow soldier, their messenger. Epaphroditus was a blessing to Paul in the way that he showed courage on behalf of others. We read in verse 27 that he fell ill and nearly died, but by the grace of God, he recovered and was now being sent back to the church in Philippi to be the bearer of this letter. And as well as the high praise for who he was, we hear that the church in Philippi was to open him, welcome him back with open arms, to honor him because of the way that he risked his life for the work of Christ. Now, the expression that we read in this passage of risked his life 
is actually more translated better from the original Greek as he gambled his life. Epaphroditus gambled his life by associating himself with Paul, who was in prison. He was there by identifying himself with Paul and risking even the same charges. But he showed courage for the sake of another. He suffered greatly and almost died for the work of Christ. And I came across this interesting bit of church history this week as I was reading around this passage that in the early church there were societies of men and women who called themselves the gamblers and they were people who ministered to the sick in prison, especially those who were ill with dangerous and infectious diseases. For example, Cyprian, the, a, a bishop of Carthage, who showed remarkable courage during the plague which began in AD 250, where everyone else fled from the sick and the dead. Cyprian and other Christians buried them, nursed the sick, and saved the city at the risk of their own lives. Now, I'm not trying to say in any way here that we should recklessly ignore social distancing. We need to do whatever we can, of course, to prevent infection. And we praise God for our frontline workers who are ministering to those in need with COVID at the moment. But what is so powerful here and what we can learn from this group of people here is the, and the willingness of Epaphroditus is his willingness to lay aside his own comfort, that the inconveniences that following Jesus will incur and require this sacrifice. He does it all for the sake of the gospel. And today we still see many of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world being persecuted for their faith. I read just a few days ago, um, a post from Open Doors, a charity working for, um, to serve the persecuted church around the world. Um, I read about this, that this past Friday is a, a milestone, a tragic milestone, that on that day, three years ago, Boko Haram kidnapped over 100 girls, schoolgirls in Nigeria. And of those girls, all who survived the initial raid were released, all except one called Leah Sharabu. And as she was due to be released, her Christian faith was discovered. Her captors said she could go free if she converted. She chose not to and was therefore not allowed to leave. Leah, a schoolgirl in Nigeria, chose Jesus over her freedom. She's still in captivity. And there are thousands more like her and we praise God for the church in Nigeria and those working among them. But let us commit to praying for Leah and for others like her. But what does perhaps courage for the gospel look like for us in quite a different context? It may be for some that God is calling you to go, to be Jesus' hands and feet and to minister in those places. But for many others, it might look different. It might look like a costly weight of our reputation amongst colleagues or friends. It might be the way God is calling us to give generously of our time and money. Perhaps even in our current context, it might be a phone call that he's encouraging you to make to a friend to encourage them that might be costly, or even a writing a letter to someone that you've not spoken to for a long time. Remember, when we risk everything on God, it's incredibly good odds. We, we can't lose. It's never a waste when we pour ourselves out on God. The question is, who this morning, who might God be calling you to love courageously? I encourage you, if you're someone who knows you have already taken a risk, you've given stuff up for the Lord, to keep on going. He is worth it. 
as I was praying for, for this time this morning, I just felt on my heart to encourage anyone who might be involved in fostering children right now that Jesus sees the, the, what you've given in order to do that. And he says to keep on going. Which brings me to my next point. Having considered these two examples of blessed lives of Timothy and Epaphroditus, the question is, how can we live in that way to bring a blessing to others? Perhaps you've got to the end of this week and you're not feeling exceptionally um, compassionate or courageous for the gospel. I think it's important to acknowledge that this is a countercultural way of living. Like I mentioned earlier, despite the scientific evidence from Harvard, our number one default position isn't always to look out for others. Sometimes it's easier to recognize that in others and not ourselves, but as parents um, will, will remember, and I'm sure anyone who's spent any time around children, it can be difficult for children to share. One of our favorite home videos in our family growing up is um, of one of my sister's birthdays, where she was unwrapping each of her presents, my youngest sister, Meanwhile, the other sister was getting more and more distressed as every present was being opened because it was exactly what she had always wanted. And it was building up and building up until she eventually turned to the camera and dramatically held her head back and said, my life has been destroyed. Now, sharing for us might not be quite as dramatic as that, but sadly, the impact of our self-centeredness goes deeper. It's sin. It's our choice at the very beginning to say, my way, not God's way. And it's evident in the broken world around us. But the most painful thing about sin isn't that it's breaking rules, it's that it's breaking God's heart. If we think how much pain that can be caused by breakdown of relationships, it's because we were made for them. It's because we were made to be in relationship with God. He created us out of love. And when we turn our back on that love, the further we move away from the source of love, it gets a lot harder to love one another. But learning from the examples of Paul, of Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus, we see Timothy, who blessed others by putting the interests of Christ first and loving sacrificially. A man whose character, as Paul writes, had proven the test. He'd truly served the church in humility. But let's remember he was also a man under construction Think of the ways in which Paul had taught him like a father to a son. Think about the other things that, that Paul has written to him to encourage him. That it takes time to grow in godly character. It doesn't just happen overnight. And that's why daily practices are so important. And being in community. Bringing our daily struggles to God. And also Epaphroditus who blessed others through his risky living for the gospel. His courageous love. We don't know much about him but... It's likely in the context of where he was that he was once a military man, that a man is now being used by God as a messenger for the gospel. A Roman soldier becomes a soldier for the gospel, risking his life. And that's exactly the way God does it, time and time again. He takes a wayward student like me, someone who came to Oxford, no interest in church whatsoever, but it was here that I encountered his love. And now he's using me by his grace to minister to students. The gospel transforms lives and it brings life. And the way to keep putting others first and to live boldly for the sake of Christ is to be an empty vessel as we give our lives to him. Laying down our rights, we get life. You see, our human compassion and empathy will always run out. It has a limit. 
but Christ longs to fill us with more of his love and strength and courage to transform us from the inside out. I've been thinking of this verse a lot this past week in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, we read about Jesus. For our sake, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Perhaps some of you have got compassion fatigue. You're just feeling weary and numb. This this morning is an invitation to just breathe life in again from Jesus, to be reminded of the beautiful truth of the gospel. How can we follow in the blessed way of living like Timothy and Epaphroditus? Well, we do it in Christ's strength. We do it with the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Jesus held nothing back in his sacrifice of love for us. He voluntarily gave his life for us and took it back up again, defeating the power of sin that stops us from being able to love one another. And that's the power of the cross, that it takes away the barrier of sin that stops us having a relationship with God and one another. And it's the most beautiful example to follow because no one is beyond the reach of God's love. He's the blessed one who continues to pour his blessing out upon us, no matter how many times we fall. As Joan referenced earlier, one of her favorite scriptures, that it was for the joy set before him, the joy for Jesus that was set before him, that he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It was for the joy of seeing you and me brought into a blessed life of friendship with God for eternity. That is why he suffered. Harvard University can see the benefits of compassion and empathy. But this is a time more than ever to be asking God to let his blessings flow in and through us. You know, invite the band up now as we draw to an end, but it, it can be a risky prayer to pray. A prayer that says, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. But there really is no greater joy than to put the interests of Christ, whatever they may lead you, at the center and courageously love others for him. And as we behold his blessed life and we marvel at what he's done, it's a joy to bless others and I dare say even suffer when we live from that source, that well that never runs dry. And this Lent season, as we journey towards Easter, let us meditate on him who knew no sin becoming sin for us. As we see the needs around us, perhaps for some in your own home and situation, but it might be the work that you're involved in. The thing is we can only truly minister when we're compelled by love. We're flowing from his presence rather than a purpose. You see, it's more blessed to give than receive. Church, St. Aldate's, we're blessed to be a blessing. So let me pray for us now as we move into worship and then we'll have a time to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to your own advantage, but rather you made yourself nothing, taking on the very nature of of a servant, being made in human likeness. We thank you that you, King of Kings, Lord Jesus, gave it all up for us. Thank you for blessing us with every blessing in in heaven. Thank you for 
forgiving us when we don't live in a way that is worthy of the gospel. And we pray now that you would come by your spirit and, and help us to bless, bless others. Help us to surrender the areas that we are holding back. Help us to use our words, our time, our money, to give it all to you, to put your interests first. We just say again this morning, Jesus, that you are worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. We pray all this in your blessed name, Jesus. Amen.